I want to see ambition and drive and motivation and everything else can be taught. So I think a lot of the time, especially in my business, we make this mistake of saying, I need a processor and they have to have at least five years experience. Well, they don't. Everyone can be taught. Yeah. <laughs> we all came from somewhere. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota. And they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexarmer. With me today, I'm excited to have Kim Burke. Kim, how are you doing today? Good, thank you. Awesome. Well, I am excited to have you on. Kim has been in the mortgage industry for over 20 years, participating in nearly every facet of the industry. In 2014, she planted her roots in the Twin Cities real estate market and has quickly established herself as a respected, knowledgeable, and strategic mortgage consultant. She's helped over 800 families with financing and has financed over 350 investment properties. I'm sure that number is growing uh, exponentially here. Uh, now as I know you. So uh, her ability to simplify complex financing strategies paired with her deep understanding of mortgage guidelines and nuances has served the Twin Cities local investor community well. And in the last four years, over 500 clients and associates have shared five-star online reviews about Kim and her team. And she's also been named super mortgage professional. That's like, uh, you know, you got your cape and everything. Right. Top 1% <laughs> of mortgage. You got a teach. Ooh. <laughs> top 1% of mortgage originators in America, which is awesome. Uh, so cool. So Kim, with all that said, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and kind of the business you've built? Yeah. Wow, my uh, teammate Courtney writes a nice bio, doesn't yeah. <laughs> she? Um, that's pretty cool. I um, no, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Finally, we've been trying to connect for a couple <laughs> years. I know, <laughs> and I think we both share the same passion in helping real estate investors in the Twin Cities, and also helping people realize their potential. Yeah, and see what the opportunity in real estate investing means in the financial opportunity it can give people. So that's always fun to connect with people that are doing that. Um, I started in this business, like you said, 20 years ago. You know, I was just out of college. I always had a thing for real estate. You know, I would read the uh, Forest Lake Times and read the real estate ads when I was still in elementary and junior high. And I didn't really even realize at the time that I was, I thought everybody did that. <laughs> um, so I knew from a long time that real estate was, was one of the things that intrigued me the most, but I didn't really know how I would be a part of it. 
and then out of college, I fell into this position at a, a mortgage company in Bedlam Heights. Um, this wonderful shop run by this husband and wife. They were wildly successful at the time, but it, you know, it was 1998. So FHA streamlines were, rates were dropping by half a point a day. It was just crazy. Um, and, and it was a great way to learn the business. Um, from there, I, I became a loan officer. I moved out to Chicago and, and helped create or open up a firm out there, which taught me a lot about owning your own business. And I learned a lot about what not to do by doing it wrong. Um, so when the market crashed, I moved back here to Minneapolis. And I had actually accepted a position at that time with a nationwide lender who wrote a blog about mortgages. And our, our whole business model was incoming leads from this blog who we would try to then help. And what we found real quick was that people that have 800 credit scores and want to buy a, a home to live in aren't on the internet looking for interesting answers on how to get financing. So we got a lot of really unique people and most of them were people trying to buy investment properties and for whatever reason, they couldn't figure out how to do it. So I was really fortunate to have about four or five years of intense learning of how to work with Fannie Mae guidelines to get people into real estate investment properties. And it just gave me the opportunity to grow my knowledge and get creative. And when that position went away, I decided it's time for me to bring this to the Twin Cities community. So I started going to Minria. I met up with, um, a lot of different investors through a lot of different arenas and found a way, found first of all that there was a huge need for it in the Twin Cities and then just kind of started to fill that gap, you know, working with people that were rehabbing properties and wanted to hold them as rentals, um, working with people that wanted to grow a rental portfolio and how do they do it and how do they create a strategy. So <clears throat> unlike a lot of uh, loan officers in my business, you know, my focus isn't on, although I love it, it is my focus isn't on helping those, you know, home buyers um, moving into a primary residence and then helping them again 10 years later. I get to help clients sometimes multiple times a year. And I think one of my clients we helped eight times this year, which is awesome wow. because it's a relationship and we get to see their success and help them get there. It's not just a transaction that we get to do every eight to 10 years for someone that trusts us. So it's pretty cool. So you're getting people into investment properties creatively. Take me through that creative process. Like, what are you doing to be able to get somebody in there that maybe the other, you know, brokers in your industry aren't doing? What What's unique about you? Yeah, you know, it's. I don't necessarily think it's that we don't all have access to the same information. It's just what we choose to study. Mm -hmm. um, similar to a an attorney. Sometimes they study tax. Sometimes they study real estate. I just happen to study the investment piece of, um, of lending and not a lot of us do. So, um, whether people are getting into properties using a contract for deed and how do they then refinance out of that in the future? You know, we get that set up from the beginning the right way. How do they use hard money to acquire a property, fix it, 
and then turn it into a rental. We strategize how we set that up. And then we were talking a little offline about first-time homebuyers and using their first-time homebuyer opportunities to buy a multifamily home, live in it, and then how do we continue to use owner-occupied financing for the coming years to grow a rental portfolio that they're willing to move and occupy as it grows? And then when they're ready to move into their single-family home, they've got this nice rental portfolio. Yeah, it's a lot of cool different strategies they can utilize. And, and some of these able to get into these properties with very little or potentially even no money in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like you talked about the duplex, uh, they can get the FHA and potentially even the FHA 203K. Is that still yeah. around anymore? Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah, I we uh, we definitely day. have people using it. We've got other cool rehab programs that I think are a little more flexible than the yeah. FHA 203K but we've got people using that too. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they can get in with very little down or they can do the uh, the hard, what you said, you can get some hard money and then you can refinance into probably a permanent loan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah hard money, private money. A lot of people have that rich, rich uncle. Yeah. It says they want to give me this money to invest, but I don't know what to do. So we figure out a strategy for that, turn rich uncle into a lender. And, and make that work so they can grow a portfolio. And same with, you mentioned contract for deed. And so, so you're just, you're basically figuring, okay, which, how, how can we buy this property today? Yep. And then turn that into a different loan product for your strategy in the future. Yeah. Yeah. People are drawn to residential financing um, because it's a 30 year fixed mortgage. Yeah. And when you're buying rental property, who wants to readjust their interest rate and pay more fees every five years? Or worst case, the lender, you know, one about four years ago, one of the larger banks that was carrying a ton of rental property in St. Paul decided they didn't want to be in that market anymore and they refused to renew any of their five-year notes. And I had people scrambling trying to figure out where they're going to get financing for all their multifamily properties in St. Paul because this bank suddenly didn't want to renew the notes. So it's that security of a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, um, knowing that your, your financing isn't going to change, your rate's not going to fluctuate. It just allows you to create a better model for your return on the investment. I haven't bought anything um, in the single family or small multifamily for a while. How many loans can you get in your own personal name? You can get up to 10. Up to 10, okay. Yeah, yeah, so we do a lot of strategizing too with partners or with married couples on, you know, each couple financing their own so we can get up to, or each individual in the relationship financing their own so they can get up to 20 properties, you know, in a, mm. in a couple of relationships. So it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of talking about what, what do you have available for down payment? You know, most people aren't running around with hundreds of thousands of dollars in their pocket. So we have to get really creative with that piece because, to buy a four unit uh, as an investment turnkey is 25% down. Yeah. So when they're selling for 500 grand, that's a lot of money out of pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Only a couple of those at a time, probably. Right. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk, uh, you know, about your business. And I want to actually go back to this business in Chicago, if, if you don't mind, and talking about you, know, you talked about that and you made a lot of mistakes along the way. Can you go through maybe kind of some of the 
higher level mistakes that you made and how you learn from those and how other people can maybe avoid those same mistakes? Yeah. Um, I went into it with a business partner who had the cash. So I didn't, I wasn't as high on the decision-making uh, totem pole as she was, but that's okay. I wasn't educated enough. I wasn't experienced enough. It was a wonderful way for me to learn by watching. Um, and what I learned from that was start small and, and allow it to grow organically. Um, we just splashed a ton of money into the market to create this wow effect. And that's great in the beginning, but in the end, what matters in business is your integrity and your reputation. And that's something that's created. It's not something you can market and advertise. And ultimately we did have a great reputation and we were experts and we were very credible. Um, but you build that through relationships. You don't create that um, by trying to make a big splash in the market. So that was a big, a big learning um, curve for us. And with Leader One, we've taken a really viral approach to uh, getting into our community. So you don't see Leader One billboards. You don't see a lot of advertising from us. For us, it's word of mouth. And those reviews are so important to us because that means clients are having good experience. They're telling other people about the good experience and it's growing organically. And it makes for stronger relationships and a stronger business, in my opinion. Um, like we were talking about before, it's intentional instead of transactional. I want my clients to, I want to be in a relationship with my clients and them to trust me as their advisor, not just call me because they want to see if I have the lowest rate. Yeah. <laughs> and those are the clients I don't end up working with. Um, so that was one thing that I learned. I also learned about um, how to hire. I made a lot of mistakes in hiring. A lot of mistakes in hiring. Um, and what I have learned is it's all about the person. I don't care if you have never worked a day in the mortgage industry. Um, two of my current team members came to me from completely different industries. And they're incredible. I want to see ambition and drive and motivation and everything else can be taught. So I think a lot of the time, especially in my business, we make this mistake of saying, I need a processor and they have to have at least five years experience. Well, they don't. Everyone can be taught. Yeah. <laughs> we all came from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and a person that's ambitious and excited and wants to learn and is hungry is going to pick all that stuff up. It's not rocket science. We all started from somewhere. So I, every time I have fallen back on a resume to hire someone, I fail every time. But when I meet someone or when I need to hire someone, and, and I've done this with my entire team, um, and I look within, I look within my sphere. And I say, who would be a good fit? Who do I know that has the same values that I do, that has the same ambitions and drive that I do, that would be a good fit? And um, then we pull them into the team. And a lot of the time, we pull them into the team with an intention of what they're going to do, and they end up doing something completely different. Hmm. Um, we were talking about Scott and Drew Hopler, and they were my clients very early on. 
And about two years in, I asked Scott to come and work for me on my team. And I said, you know, it's going to be this real entry level job. Um, you're not going to make anything, but you're going to learn a ton. And he was at Lando Lakes and was so excited to get into the real estate industry. He took, he took the risk and took the job. And I had him sitting at a desk ordering payoffs and doing this desk work and he hated it. And he was awful at it. <laughs> and finally one day I said, why don't you come with me to this networking event? And we walked in there and he just owned the room. And I said, you sat in the wrong seat. You're supposed to be out developing business, not sitting behind a computer. You know, and he was the right person to be on the team, never questioned it. His drive and his ambition and his love of this industry is second to none. But you just got to get people into the right seat. So that's been a cool experience for me. And to just see people really thrive and grow. And then you're not micromanaging because people are doing what they love. Yeah, and I think that's powerful for, and it speaks to you, actually, because a lot of people would not, you know, they, they, let's take the Scott uh, example that you gave, and they see that he's not doing a very good job at it. It's not, you can tell he's not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. So instead, you just say, hey, you know, let's sit down and have a meeting, and the meeting goes, hey, you know, Scott, uh, I see it's not really working out, You're not doing a great job, let's part ways right now. Mm, that would have been such a huge loss for my business. Exactly. And, yeah. and, but you had that sight to actually go, that vision to actually go, okay, well, let's see what else. Like, I can see that Scott has more potential. Yeah. Let's figure that out. And, and then yeah. you saw it. And most, oh. most people wouldn't do what you just did. They would just, they'd just get rid of him. They'd just fire him. Well, and it was so funny because that year that we transitioned him into a business development role, which we just, again, let it grow organically, yeah. um, was our most, our year over year uh, growth was the hugest in that year mm. because he was doing what he was natural at. And that year we began the Millennial Investor Focus Group, if you're familiar with that group, that he now runs and it has, I think, over 1,800 Wow. Um, because he put, we put him into a position that he thrived on and that he loved and he still loves doing that. Um, so it's just, it's a really cool thing to sit back and let people be their best. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I got that from years of working for other people and wishing they would allow me <laughs> to do what I was good at, but they wanted to kind of control the situation and, and continuously manage. And um, it's really when we let people do what they're best at and unmanage them that I think they, everybody succeeds. Yeah. And that's powerful. I mean, it, like you said, it's all about hiring the right people. And if you've got the right person, you're going to be able to find the right fit for that person within your company. That's going to help your company grow and that's going to allow them to succeed. So mm -hmm. you might have to pivot as you have said from what you originally thought they were going to do to what they become in your company. Yeah. You give up on people. Yeah. Yeah. And we've had people on the team that just weren't the right fit, yeah. you know, and we, again, hired them on resume and not on the, the relationship. And, and the ambition and the feeling, you know, you can tell when people have it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my most recent gal that joined our team, Louise, 
I actually met her when I bought my last car. I think it was over two years ago. And I said, you're, you're awesome. If you ever want to work in mortgages, you should call me. And then, you know, a year and a half later, she called me. <laughs> and now here we've got her on our team and she's doing great. So it's, it's just so funny when we use the power of our network and our, our relationships to not only grow our business, but to also grow our team. Peter, um, who's been on my team since the beginning, we worked together at that mom and pop shop 20 years ago. And he was incredible and everybody loved him. And I knew he was the right person to be on my team, you know, 15 years later when I needed someone. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Well, and one thing, you know, you, and you've already mentioned this, but you, you and your team, you guys get out there. People know who you are. Mm -hmm. You're at meetups. You started networking through, you know, different real estate groups and, you know, you're, you're, you have a presence in the community. So people know who you are, know your company, you're on social media. Um, you know, so, so people understand who you are and you're and not only just there in front of everybody, but you're actually adding true value to people. And that I think is really important as well as the value you're bringing to everybody allows them to trust in you and go, okay, well, what, let me see what Kim and her team can do for, for me. If, if yeah well i love that about what we get to do is sometimes we have a whole conversation with someone and it, we never even talk about mortgages and i noticed that when you presented at the pine summit this fall too you talked about everything but real estate and that's so powerful you know because really it doesn't matter what industry we're in as long as you apply the same tactics you know and ways to grow your business organically yeah. it can apply to any business hey let's take a minute to thank our sponsor pine financial group look you work hard for your money is your money working hard for you because of inflation money sitting idle erodes your wealth many investors understand that real estate is a great investment but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property they want to sit back and have payments Hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. So you, you've talked about quite a few things already uh, about hiring the right person, especially about growing your business organically. What are some other things that you can give to our listeners on some success, you know, things that you've done to grow your business, to create what you've created? What can they take from you and to implement it in their business? Um. Focus on your niche and don't lose sight of it. Mm -hmm. um, 
we get a lot of shiny objects thrown at us. And when I said I'm going to go into working with real estate investors, my boss looked at me and he said, you're crazy. You're going to do a bunch of $70,000 loans. You're going to kill yourself. And I said, no, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I never deviated from that. And I'd meet different people and I'd be encouraged to go different directions. And every single year when I come back to my business plan about this time of year, I look at what I did uh, with the people in the investor community and I'm, that's where I belong. That's right where I belong. And I, I stay true to that. And I truly believe it's what has grown our business so quickly over the past five years. Um, if I try to become the expert of everything, you just, you spread yourself thin and then no one quite knows what to believe in, you know? Um, so I think that's important, especially with real estate investors. There's so many different directions to go. And I'll hear people say sometimes, well, I'm going to do a little wholesaling and I'm going to do maybe a little re and I'm going to do a little of this. I'm going to do a little of that. Uh, look at the people who are most successful. Um, look at threshold homes. All they do is rehab beautiful homes and they do it great. They don't do custom work. They refuse to do custom work. They don't look to build a rental portfolio. They're, they're, flipping and they're rehabbing and that's all they do and they do it amazing you know and when we focus on what we're best at on that niche and don't deviate it from it I think that's truly when we have our most success so Kim when what what kind of habits do you have what kind of daily habits do you have that really set you up or, or and maybe some things maybe even that you do with your team that set you guys up for success yeah um did you ever read the Miracle Morning? I have, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a game changer for me. There's a couple of books in, that I've read um, in my life that have been game changers, and that was definitely one of them, to own your morning mm. and not roll into your day. I, and I've never really been much of a roller or a procrastinator. I've always kind of been that, I was that nerd in high school that had to have everything turned in three days in advance. Um, but I really think that is, the difference between being successful and doing okay is owning your day first thing out of the gates. I have a, I'm out with the dog. I do my workout. I do my breakfast. I do my kids. Everything happens before 8 a.m. And so I'm ready to hit my day. And um, that to me is a lot of the key to my success. Um, my team you know, we're not, I don't look at it like a business relationship. We're kind of a family and we have some, some rules that we abide by. Um, when the work needs to get done, the work gets done. So there's no eight to five on our team, but when your kid has to go to hockey or your kid has to go to weightlifting or you're there, right? So ultimately you like the description of it, I guess would be that we're all adults. <laughs> And so many organizations don't work that way. If we didn't have to punch in and punch out for regulatory purposes, I don't even worry about it. Because we're all just getting it done. And when you trust each other that you're gonna get it done, it happens. But when you start to have to micromanage people or, or ask them if, you know, why do you need to take the afternoon off? I don't need to know why. If you have to take the afternoon off, I know you have a reason. We're good. It just creates this trust um, that's, undefinable and and then everybody wants to work harder because they feel ownership and, and
and trust. Um, and then my team is kind of in constant communication. You know, we always have to be working weekends, evenings, people are looking for houses. So um, it's a different industry and you have to adapt to it as opposed to asking the beast to adapt to you. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. you can't just say, just call us at this time only. Yeah. Email us only at this time and, and or we'll get back to you in 48 hours or whatever. Because no, it doesn't work that way. Else. Yeah. 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 Louisa, my team got a call at 1030 at night the other night and they said, we want to put an offer in on the morning. <laughs> well, what do you do? You got to get it done. Right. So we, we realize that our business defines our work schedule. So we have to work our, our family lives in around it, which means if you've got to be somewhere at three o'clock with your kid for three hours, go do it. You know, um, it's, we call it a lifestyle. So with that, there's potentially some challenges, right? So how do you make sure that everybody's doing their portion, their, their, their actual job? Because if they're, you know, running out for three hours to go to a hockey game or whatever, they didn't put in their quote unquote eight hour day, you know, how are you making sure that you're holding them accountable for still what they're doing? Is there anything that you have in place or is it just based on the amount of work that they're doing? You know, it's, again, it kind of goes back to hiring the right people. Um, we haven't yet had anybody on our team that's ever taken advantage of the flexibility. And I guarantee you, they all work more than 40 hours a week. Nobody wants to let anybody on the team down. So <laughs> it, it's really cool. It, and it's just kind of created, became this way when you put that trust out there, um, that people want to give it back to each other too. So when something goes wrong on our team, everybody jumps in and says, oh, that was my fault, <laughs> you know, and looks for the solution. And um, when somebody's overwhelmed, everybody wants to jump in and, and fix the problem. So it's that culture of solution oriented and always wanting to be better and do better by your team and by the client. And that's just an eight in people. And someone that, if someone came onto our team that didn't have that, they'd be gone in an instant. They wouldn't yeah, last. Yeah, you would notice right away. Yeah, the whole team would notice it and they would, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so you've created this culture, this environment of, you know, trust, this environment of, of you know, accountability. And so where everybody's being held accountable and everybody wants to see everybody else be successful. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Cool. Um, so let's, uh, we're going to, I got a couple more questions before we wrap up. Uh, what's a favorite book, either business, real estate, mortgages, whatever. What's a favorite book of yours that you really like? Um, Miracle Morning was definitely one of them. One of the things that changed the way that I thought about uh, relationships and people is The Four Agreements, which isn't a business book at all, but it helped me to not get derailed when maybe someone didn't want to work with me or um, I felt rejected, which happens a lot in our business, and not take it personally. And it allows you know, the, the tactics in there allow you to just keep moving 
and realize that people make decisions based on their own situation, their own beliefs, and it really has nothing to do with you. Um, that helped me a lot going through that initial rejection phase, which was difficult, you know, when I was getting more no's than yeses. Um, Pitch Anything is another book that I absolutely love. You've read that? I love it. Boring Claff, yeah. Um, we've been talking about that one a lot lately. And uh, again, he really goes to, you know, the really, it's more about the relationship than the product. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the way that he, that he explains that. There's tons of other people that I listen to constantly. Um, and it depends on what mo what mood I'm in or what growth area I'm in personally. Lately, I've been doing a ton of personal development stuff. For the last four years, I was doing a lot of business development stuff. So it fluctuates depending on where I'm at. Cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I've read Miracle Morning and Pitch Anything, fantastic books. And we'll put those on the show notes too so people can link to them. Uh, what's uh, Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Oof. I know. I, I, I never. I didn't give you a heads up. I never do. <laughs> give me an example. What are your three? You can choose whatever <laughs> you want. It can be mindset. It can be uh -huh. substance. It can be you know real estate and stocks and stuff like that. However you want to answer it, just hmm. it comes to your mind. That's the beauty of the questions. Whatever comes to your mind. Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, I'm going to say, and it kind of goes with the theme of what we've been talking about is trust. And under that falls integrity, um, loyalty, and that's with customers, that's with teammates, that's with making sure that I'm providing people with credible results, um, promise or delivering on what I promise and uh keeping that integrity i could do 800 transactions correctly and do one wrong and everybody's going to remember the one i did wrong yeah. so to us it's really important about you know integrity and and being honest and when i can't help someone being honest mm. um, we see so many people want to help someone to the point that they actually are a detriment because they they should have known from the beginning they couldn't help and then yeah. how, how do you get where you want to be? Yeah, that's so powerful. <laughs> Sometimes stepping back and just saying, look, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't be a part of this or, or, you know, whatever, because a lot of us want to be there that we want to help or we see the, the money potentially involved in it. And so we want to do it when we really are doing a disservice, not only to them, but to us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's true. Yeah. Um, it's never good to tell someone yes and then tell them no later, <laughs> right? We'll just start from no out of the gates. Um, relationship, I would say, would be another pillar. Such a key to growth. I don't think in our day and age that acting as a transactional business person will find anyone success. So it's about growing and maintaining relationships. Um, through integrity and trust and, and things like that. Yeah. Boy, and number three. <laughs> um, you know, we talk a lot about work-life balance. 
And I think it's understanding that that is always going to be messy. I've always had this idea, or for many years, I had this idea in my head that I could find some perfect balance, right? And, you know, especially when what we're doing, I couldn't control the fact that the rates dropped to 3.75 and we had our six craziest months this last six months. Right. Um, we have to reap the benefits of that while we can. And then when business is slower, we have to reap the benefits that we now have time to be with our and I think that was maybe the biggest one for me is in the times of when it's slow, instead of panicking about when it's going to get busy again, I need to stop and say, now we're with family. This is, this is now our downtime to do other things, to be, you know, personal development, et cetera, because it's all going to come back. And year after year after year, when that comes true, when it all does come back, it eases your stress, I think, during those times of, that are slower um, and allows you to enjoy it a little bit, a little bit more. So really, I mean, for you, you've kind of assessed your business and, and realized that, and then every business is going to be different, but right, you've realized that there's going to be some really, really busy times where there is no or very little work-life balance. And uh -huh. there's going to be other times where it's more of, you know, it's, again, it's out of balance, but it's out of balance the other way. Yeah. So it's just understanding where your business is and what type of business you have and working that work-life balance in kind of around your business as well, uh, mm -hmm. making them work together. But it doesn't always have to be, you know, you spending this chunk of time at home with the family you can sometimes have a little more time at this season. Um, yes, versus the exactly. Others. And I think the same goes, you know, with even in business, like prospecting, we're taught to prospect every day for two hours. You have to prospect every day and you can kill yourself in a business, you know, in, in an industry where you're swamped for six months and then dead for six months. So, you know, we've shifted our mentality to, sow the seeds in the winter and then reap the benefits in the summer and don't kill yourself when you're already working 10 hours a day in the summer to work 12. We'll work 10, we'll get our job done. And then in the winter, when it's slower, we'll prospect um, and we'll plan and we'll create strategies and systems to create the business for the summer. So I've started to look at it as more of a cycle yeah. of business instead of a day to day task oriented uh, business. And I, it's definitely created more peace for me personally to do it that way. Cause every day I go to bed feeling guilty. I didn't prospect for two hours, yeah. but I just worked 10 hours, you know, <laughs> it's kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, a lot of times we put pressure on us cause you know, everybody talks about these goals and everybody talks about what you have to do and, and, you know, you have to be consistent and that's a really important, but you also have to understand your business and where your business is and be consistent during potentially different times of the year on different tasks. And that's exactly how you've adapted, which I really appreciate you telling uh, us because a lot of, a lot of people don't even think about that, it that way. Yeah. It's a different way of thinking. I think we're trained to do the same daily practice every single day and 
that doesn't necessarily fit every industry or every every model. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kim, I really appreciate you coming on the show and tons of value you're able to add. How can our listeners reach out to you, get more information about you, about Leader One and what you guys are doing? Yeah, you can check out my website. It's mymortgagewithkim.com. You can email me, Kim Burke at leaderone.com. It's the number one. Um, and then my cell phone, my old Chicago number from my Chicago days at 773-895-7340. Awesome, Kim. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Todd. Have a good holiday. You too. Okay. A special thanks to Kim Burke for joining us on the show. I appreciate the value she was able to bring. And three things I took from this episode. Uh, first of all, she talks about starting small and growing organically, uh, how important that is. Next thing she talks about is getting reviews or referrals from you know, your past clients, um, from, from anybody you've done business with. Getting referrals and reviews are, are huge. And then the other thing she talked about is just on the hiring. And I thought this was really important. She's talking about finding the right person, not the person with the most experience, but finding the person that fits your business, that has the right mindset, that has the right personality, that really wants to grow with the business. And then finding the best seat for them, being able to be flexible. And she gave some examples on that. So I thought that was really uh, really sound and valuable advice. Uh, a lot of people don't really consider when they're considering hiring. Again, I appreciate Kim for joining us. A ton of value. Take this episode, re-listen to it. Take one thing that you got from this episode and apply it. Apply it to your business, apply it to your life, and see the difference that it makes. I'm Todd Dexheimer. I'm signing out. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business, and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.